Hey everyone, welcome back to the Roast West Coast Podcast. Before we get started today, I want to shout out a new coffee promo for Roast listeners. Use the promo code ROAST in all capital letters at mareacoffee.com to get 15% off your coffee order. That is M-A-R-E-A coffee.com, Marea Coffee. And that would also apply to your first month on any of their coffee subscription orders. Today, I've already got my coffee here ready, so we can get into this episode. Truthfully, I've already had a few coffees today because mornings are chilly and coffee makes me happy. My guests today are Sam and Weston Naraki. They are the husband and wife team behind Manzanita Roastery of Rancho Bernardo, California, and they just opened a new location in an incredibly beautiful building in downtown Escondido. Yes, you did hear that right. They just opened a new location in the middle of this pandemic. This pandemic, which will occupy a significant chapter in future history books, or history Kindles, or jump drives inserted behind the ear, or whatever it is that people are using to share words in the future. Their new spot looks incredible, and there are some photos in the Roast West Coast newsletter, which, with your email, you can sign up for at roastwestcoast.com. If you haven't already, there are free and paid subscription options. The free newsletter is great and will get you recaps and show updates. And the paid subscription, which is good for a full year, is even better. And through the rest of this year, it also comes with a copy of Eli and Jane, a fiction novella with plenty of great coffee drinking scenes, and I'll use the proceeds to buy coffee for frontline health workers fighting this damn coronavirus. Sam and Weston were a joy to chat with. During our conversation, they were in their working roastery, and occasionally one of them would be called away to do something more important than chatting to me. I say that with a lot of respect. It was clear that they had a passion for customer service. Weston is the primary roaster at Manzanita Roasting, and Sam seems to be the primary forward-facing everything else. But they truly seem to be in sync, and it is a team effort. Sometimes when shows end, I'll chat with my guest for a few minutes after stopping the recording. Sam, Weston, and I ended up chatting for nearly an hour. It was just too much fun to listen to their banter and swap industry stories. Speaking of the hospitality industry, this pandemic has hit the service industry incredibly hard. If you're out there still thinking about holiday gifts, I strongly encourage you to think about what small businesses, what coffee shops and cafes make your neighborhood feel like home. And if you're in a position where you're giving out gifts this year, consider sharing the efforts of those local spots with those you love. So, swap out the bun cake and the stocking for a gift card to your favorite coffee shop, or ship a bag of perfectly roasted beans to a friend or a favorite uncle that you may not get to see this year. And consider a coffee subscription. It's the gift that keeps on giving. At Manzanita Roasting, they're offering top-of-the-line coffees, and they still have a few of their holiday gift boxes that include two bags of coffee and local fresh peppermint chocolate biscotti. The best part is that shipping is free anywhere in the United States, including Alaska and Hawaii. Head to manzanitaroasting.com for details, or just click the link in the newsletter. And now, it's time for yet another cup of coffee, and this episode with Manzanita Roasting Company founders, Weston and Sam Naraki. Well, let's get started. I'd say Sam and Weston from Manzanita Roasting, welcome and uh, thanks for joining me on the Roast West Coast podcast. It's great to have you guys. Well, it's great to be on the show to talk about coffee in San Diego. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I I had to brew a second pot of coffee because I finished my first pot this morning before I got a chance to talk to you. Oh, you're a legend. I've I <laughs> already had three and I can't have any more. Yeah, I usually cut it off too, but I had an extra whiskey last night, so I needed a little pick-me-up this morning. 
Yeah, I think we kind of over imbibed a little bit too. So I have I still haven't had my first uh, drink this morning. I think I'll have one of our baristas make me something. I usually have a cappuccino in the morning. You can try to. We're working on a new uh, winter seasonal flavor. It's like a maple cinnamon from like a Ceylon cinnamon uh, latte. We just don't do pumpkin because I'm just opposed to pumpkin. <laughs> we make all of our flavors in house. We're kind of nerdy like that. So. Um, pumpkin spice in house would probably taste more like squash coffee, right? I mean that way because you know you gotta have all the good those good chemicals to make it taste amazing. And so, if you call it pumpkin, you better have pumpkin in there, right? <laughs> I can tell you that I was when I was working uh, with Coffee Cycle, Chris O'Brien over there, he makes a homemade pumpkin spice, and it's such a pain. <laughs> yes such a pain that i told him like we should charge 12 dollars for this and then no one will order it and then you don't have to make it anymore but he yeah. does it anyway yes if you would have seen the box that he got in what how many pounds he bought 10 pounds 10 pounds of cinnamon sticks these ceylon cinnamon sticks yeah they're ceylon cinnamon so they don't even look like your normal cinnamon stick it's supposed to be a true cinnamon but i just saw it and it looked different so i'm like i'll buy 10 pounds of it Give it a shot. <laughs> this is deaf in him, right? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> you guys both come from hospitality backgrounds, right? I think, Weston, you were a chef and a psalm. And uh, Sam, you come from a wine family, I saw. Did you guys always assume that you would end up growing up separately, that you'd end up in a hospitality business? Or was that just something that kind of happened? Well, I think I think for me, I mean, I kind of got out of cooking and did some wine stuff. And then I was helping my dad manage his business up in Canada, which is unrelated to hospitality and then when moving down to san diego i didn't really didn't want to work in the restaurant industry anymore because you know it's a lot of work and different hours and was getting married so i didn't want that and then somehow we ended up wanting to start a coffee business and then we just wanted to do roasting first and then it turned out that you know sam's family had an opportunity to take over the cafe and make it our own and then back into the hospitality we came <laughs> For me, anyways, you've always been. Yeah, we had a we had a little cafe back up. We had a little coffee shop here on the winery, and um, we kind of yeah, it was we started roasting and roasting for that and roasting for wholesale. And I mean, we kind of got into coffee like while we were dating. We were starting to bounce around coffee shops uh, on the west coast primarily. And we just both really got into craft coffee at the same time. And he introduced me to it. He was about a couple blocks away from a coffee roaster up in Vancouver. So kind of it was a natural progression. We just really got into like what well, a lot of people were getting into craft coffee back then, like 2012-ish. It just progressed to like, well, we should start something together. You know, I'm used to, like you said, you're, I'm used to hospitality. I grew up in it. He's used to it. You know, you've got to be either crazy or just kind of, you're just used to it. And when you're used to it and opening things like that, it's not a big deal. It's like, okay, well, let's start, let's get a roaster and start this thing. So that's what we did. And then we, we took over. Yeah, we started selling coffee to our own little coffee shop here on the winery and wholesale accounts. And then it just kind of grew from there. I come from a, a hospitality family myself. And so I understand that feeling of, of thinking you're crazy and then saying, <laughs> I'm never going to do this. I'm going to get out of it. Uh, yes. And then like, starting to feel that itch coming back at some point. <laughs> God, you know, even now when I separate myself from, you know, the, the horribleness of COVID, I sometimes like enjoy sitting down and going, well, how would I handle this situation? You know, how would I problem solve for this? Cause that's really what a lot of it is. It is. And it's, you know, it is a lot of problem solving. And you know, yeah. when you, in hospitality, whether it's restaurant or coffee shop, you, you can go to a place and you can relate to whether like, you know, the service is something happened that day because it's just busy and it's not their fault. 
or you go to places and you're like, okay, this just needs a little bit more efficiency because you know they've never done this before, and it's kind of it's kind of fun how even our our staff David, he's a senior in high school, and now when he goes out to restaurants and coffee shops, he's just like he's he's more conscious of like not scrunching up your napkins and dunking dunking in cups of water, right? <laughs> Busting his own table at a restaurant. Yeah, he's busting his own table. He's watching what they do behind the bar. And I mean, we do that. Just so, like, you know, we're about to open our second cafe. We weren't, we weren't even going to open the first one, honestly. That, we weren't going to have a coffee shop. We were like, no, we're just going to be a roaster. We weren't going to have a cafe. We're just like, let's just keep it simple. We don't want staff. We don't want that whole thing with the, the front of house. Let's just keep it simple and, and wholesale roast. But then we kind of got... We got more popular and started getting a little bit more national acclaim. And people are like, you know, we'd gotten on Thrillist top 20 in the country and that kind of thing. And people are like, and you guys are still just a wholesale roaster. It's kind of lame. <laughs> and we had the space here to sort of build out a cafe. And and the neighborhood around us was just kind of screaming out for it. They're just like, come on, you guys, don't, you know, go big. So that's what happened. And like you said, being in hospitality, it's like, you're like, all right, well, let's just do this. It's definitely a different world. I. My wife came to one of our work meetings once, and I think she left a little shell-shocked and was just like, that's not how my work meetings as a professional <laughs> medical person go. And I was like, yeah, no, it's a little different. What does your wife do? <laughs> She's an occupational therapist, and she worked in the school system um, with special needs kids. So this has been a really crazy year for her. Wow. Yeah, that is, that's it's very different. I mean, you got to be hospitality. You kind of have to, like you said, you got to be a little crazy, but... Then you also just, we have a passion for it. I just love hospitality and I like making it better and better and better for people and just, you know, upping the experience every day and, you know, and helping our staff kind of up their game and how they deal with people. Since Weston's not here for a minute, I think he's off making you a, a cappuccino. I would ask, how, how is it working with a spouse? I've worked with my spouse and not everyone can do it, <laughs> but, but how do you manage that separation between the business and a relationship? And, or is it just all one big pot? It is all one, you know, it's crazy because we, we get along so well. And I honestly, I think we just, we, we really get each other and we can go home and talk business and not, you know, stress out. We just, we kind of, they integrate together, you know, and it really, really works. I think we have a really strong relationship to where and once in a while I'm like tapping out we can't talk about it you know like just I'm not gonna do it and we'll you know we will we'll, we'll take our little staycations and try to you know get away once in a while like a two-nighter somewhere and then we're just like nope we're not really talking about work maybe something fun to do with work like the build out of the new cafe or something like that but nothing we've learned to separate it a little bit when we have to but I really we enjoy it we have a fun time working together I mean I can honestly say that we have a really good time so He's bossy. <laughs> Got to have one that's a little bossy, I guess, and one that's like, I'm like, okay, whatever. You can be a little bossy. I need it. I know personally that there's a difference uh, between being bossy and being the boss. <laughs> yes. Um, you mentioned the cafe build out. You guys are opening you a cafe now in, in the roastery in Rancho Bernardo, and you're opening a new one in downtown Escondido. And I saw a photo on Instagram. What was that feeling like uh, seeing the sign lit up on the corner for the first time? And, and what's the kind of the what's the plan for this new location? So the new location is going to be, uh, you know, reminiscent of Manzanita One. I call this the, the mothership. It's going to have so you saw that it's got that whole like 1930s vibe, you know, with the it's a resurrected old theater that was from the 30s. And it is they and they made it 
even better. They made it look where, the way it should have looked back in the day. It's absolutely gorgeous. So I, when I saw the sign, I was kind of got goosebumps because I'm like, oh my God, Manzanita is like on a marquee. It looks like Vegas. We're going big. So it's going to have a whole different vibe than this place. This is more industrial, like cowboy meat. You know, it's kind of industrial chic. And the other one's going to be like speakeasy, 30s, art deco. It's going to go with the building. So when you walk in, you're going to see Manzanita and like our cowboy that's on the wall and stuff. But you're going to also see like a whole different look, like 1930s-ish. You've been roasting kind of since 2015, started off as wholesale and then moved into the cafe a few years later. And I was doing very serious, intensive 10 minutes of research before we talked. (laughs) And I saw this line on your website that said, super duper sustainable. (laughs) I didn't write that. (laughs) What does that mean? What is super duper sustainability? (laughs) What does that mean? Because I have no idea. Well, you know, everything I kind of, you see on our website, we kind of do a lot of, we like, we make fun of ourselves. There's lots of self-deprecating humor because super duper sustainable. I mean, if you came to the roaster, it's really crazy. Like, of course we've got the Loring, you know, which is sustainably, you know, roasting anyway with, uh, it saves 80% of the fuel costs of any other roaster. I don't know if you knew that, but. I did not. Super, yeah, super uh, energy efficient and emissions. So way less emissions. No smoke goes out when you roast. It literally has just clean, hot air going out into the environment. Everything that we use, like our chaff even, goes into the vineyards here at the winery. Everything gets composted. So even like when we make, we prep food, like all the eggs and eggshells and banana peels and everything, that all goes into the compost too. So we literally use everything. We have, you know, uh, corn straws. We try to do everything that we can, but we try to send out all the drinks with in ceramic. And we have a big, huge outdoor area, so we can do that, a natural outdoor. Especially for COVID right now. it's Yeah. We didn't really actually realize it was one of the, uh, I think when I really kind of my, like was eye-opening when that, that we were in Thrillist, you know, and the guy, the author, food writer said, he wrote in the article, well, Weston and Sam are probably one of the most sustainable roasters on my list. And I was like, oh my gosh, we kind of are like, you know, we're just kind of hippie nerdy. Like, I guess everything we try to do is like, just, you know, reuse and repurpose everything. And I just compost it and, you know, the guys, you know, because they'll take the stuff from the restaurant next door and, you know, they have a, I think they have a couple of compost piles around here, but, you know, grapes need compost and why buy it when you, you can make it with all the scraps from the restaurant here. And our coffee grounds, everything goes yeah. back into the vineyard. So, yeah, I just kind of think everything we do, we try to like be really sustainable about it. And then, of course, back to the, the uh, farms, you know, I mean, we work with farmers that are direct, direct, direct trade. Uh, little tiny farmers, yeah, micro lot. So people who are listening, you're talking about working with farmers to get the beans. Yeah, so we work obviously directly with some farmers that, you know, they're taking care of exporting, like Annie Ruth out of El Salvador. She's taking care of her own exporting and they'll have maybe, you know, one of the bigger companies just do the final importing paperwork. But, you know, we talk to her, well, email, and, but I've talked to farmers in Guatemala on the WhatsApp app. And then we work with a couple of importers that work on very sustainable levels, too. So like Collaborative Coffee Source out of Norway works with farmers. Like this year in Peru, we're probably not going to get any coffee because with COVID, they had a fast uh, drying cycle. The waters are really wet and they're just not going to last. And so they work with the farmers year in, year out to like work on processes so that they can, you know, have a big that we pay more money and then they get more money. And it's a whole cycle of our coffee on our shelf now are average like $20 a bag, but it's. It's because I'm paying an extra 40% over the last two or three years. So, you know, just 
paying more for better coffee. You know, it's an actual livable wage for the farmers. So, you know, I'm opposed to uh, organic and fair trade certifications and all that, because a lot of that is just, you know, a lot of small farmers can't afford that. And better to support that, you know, like that farmers, that sort of international farmers market approach, I call it, where you're like working directly with farmers and you're giving them an actual living wage and, uh, you know, higher price for their coffee. It's important. I think with the certification thing, I think that the idea behind it, helping educate customers is important, but but just because a, a business doesn't have it doesn't mean they're not doing it. Exactly. Like the farm that we get our farm box, our CSA from every every other week or so, they're doing everything organically and we've talked to the farmer about it, but they don't have those certifications just for that reason. It's too expensive. And I tell people, like, if you're very concerned about, like, you know, pesticides and stuff, you know, there's countries that you don't have to worry about, like Ethiopia, for example, are mostly backyard forests. So for them to certify, it's a quick, easy step that they just do and they can certify within a month type of deal. Like, it's not like a, a big step like an American farmer. But like, there's farmers in Brazil that own a thousand acres, which most small farmers only have a couple acres. So, you know, maybe you stay away from, you know, maybe a big, big Brazilian farmer until you see what, and maybe you want a certification from them, but we don't put it on the bag because we don't need to do that. And if it doesn't taste good, then you know, they're spraying stuff on it and they're just getting coffee beans. They'll look like coffee beans, but they don't taste delicious because, you know, they supercharge their ripening process, for example. Sure. Like you said, it's really communication with the farmer. Like you said, with your box that you get, it's really communicating with them and finding out exactly how they farm and being satisfied with that. Um, And that's enough. I mean, they do organic processes and they, but they just don't have the certification. Once those beans show up in your roastery, do you guys have kind of a style that you, that you are comfortable with or that you're known for or a philosophy on how you treat those beans? You know, if somebody's going to get a manzanita coffee, what should they be expect that that process goes through once they're on site? Uh, I, I say it's like a medium light. I mean, really it's a light roast, but I, we call it like a medium light roast. It's sweet. It's clean. You get a lot of purity of the flavor. So I always tell like, you know, our new customers, I'm like, you know, I'm paying a lot for this coffee. So I want it to taste unique for what I paid for it. If not, I'll buy something different and roast it really, really dark and just get the roast flavor. So I like the balance of the sweetness and the acidity to like balance there. So in wine, I like a brighter style wine where like every sip your mouth is kind of refreshing and there's nothing's heavy on the palate. So it's like, I don't like the big mouth coating style of wine or even beer, for example, like triple IPAs are just too malty and sweet for me. I like a nice dry IPA. So stuff like that, that's just my personal preference. And then we do have a dark roast that, you know, people want something that roastiness. They don't really want too much fruit. They're going to put cream in there and, you know, it does the style, but it's still going to be better than I think a lot of other dark coffees. I mean, it's definitely going to be better than a big chain dark coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Back to your website. One thing I really noticed is that you offer a lot of information about each coffee bean that you are selling. More than just country of origin, which a whole nother topic, but coffee is such a worldwide endeavor. But on your website, you guys have like details about like what altitude the coffee was grown at, what the soil type was, the dry time. Do you find that customers are interested in that or they're just it makes them feel more comfortable that you know what you're doing? Or is there a benefit to educating your customers on all that? I think putting it on the website is great because you can put as much information on there as you want. And you don't have to worry about like on a bag. I don't want to put that all on the bag. We just want, you know, what the coffee is. And then right now we have two Ethiopians. So I make sure it says washed and natural. They may not know what that is, but at least our baristas do. And then a, a tasting note, kind of like a wine tasting. So, you know, like I tell them, like, if 
you like citrusy coffees, then look for the ones that are more citrusy. But on the website, I think giving them as much information as they want. I mean, I think some people, some 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 coffee nerds do look for that because they're like, oh, I want the highest elevation, you know, Ethiopia <laughs> I can find. It shows that we do our homework. I think you know, and whether or not they look at it, I think it's just like we've done our, we've you know done our due diligence and homework on everything down to, and I put as much like you said as much on there as I can about. Even yeah, if it what the soil type or uh, yeah, what exact or what month it was picked. <laughs> you know that some of that is we have to get it from our farmers and importers, and sometimes they they don't even have it on their sheets, and then we'll ask them, hey, do you know example what it is? And they'll go, oh yeah, like for example, next I guess in two weeks we're going to release a Panama from Alita Estate. So last year we got a Alita Estate Panama. It was a, just a general like is Catuai natural lot. Well, this year we got samples and we actually picked a whole day. So we actually have our own day lot. There was only Super nerdy. There was only five bags of it available, but we got all of them for that day. Yeah, so that means those are all beans that were literally picked on the same day. Yeah, because they'll 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 do every especially like uh Elita State, because they're big, they have enough manpower and they pay like all their workers really good and they have a very organized skill. They also are the ones that sell every year the most expensive bean in the world at auction. So they take that system and they apply it just to their general non-geisha stuff, which, you know, it's still pricey, but it's way, way cheaper than, and they do, they take notes on everything. They'll tell you like, I tasted one that I didn't, I wasn't going to buy, but it was like 120 day anaerobic fermentation. And it was picked on this day. And I'm like, that is, so we picked the date and I, on the bag, I think it says like, I don't know actually what the date says on there, but it'll be on our little information score. You'll know exactly what date was picked. <laughs> That's really incredible to have that information. I, I would say that like if, if there's a beginner, I'm like one step above beginners. Right. And I've been trying to learn about coffee for a couple of years now. But then there's this whole nother level, which is where you guys are clearly at, maybe even above that. But I think it is interesting to see those things. And that's as a customer, I would think that's how I would get more excited about or interested in learning. Like, oh, I had no idea this was a thing. And maybe I'll read about it on, on something. And that can lead down a whole rabbit hole where as I've learned, you know, I own multiple brewing pieces and I have more coffee and I'm the only one who drinks coffee here and there's pounds of coffee in the house. What? So it's a problem. As we are entering the holiday season, do you guys have any sort of special things coming up? You already mentioned that the maple cinnamon. Yeah, that's like the cafe special. Um, and then for our retail, we always have a winter blend. This year it's 50% Guatemalan, 50% Ethiopian natural from a Bunko Gotiti, which is like a high elevation yoga chef, I think. Uh, but it's a really good clean natural that we're going to roast to a more of a medium level. So we like to do the winter blend a little bit more medium, a little bit more chocolatey, a little bit more richer. So it's like that comforting, you know, that you want to drink in front of a fireplace, you know, that's maybe not San Diego in 72 degrees. But <laughs> <laughs> the mornings have been cold. That's true. They so, have been cold, actually. This and, morning was cold. And then the other thing we actually need to organize, probably start right now, is every December we do um, like a Christmas box. And you order a line. You can ship it to anywhere. Um, it includes free shipping, but it includes the winter blend and then another choice. And then it includes um, the biscottis from Kathy, who does yeah. all our pastries for our cafe. One of our local bakers, yeah. So we put in, and which actually this year, I think people would really dig that because of the people that are still quarantining at home to like... Or to give to send to somebody that's quarantining at home, like a couple bags of coffee and some little treat, like and, and shortbread. She does a really nice shortbread that we come up with some things and put it and wrap it all up in paper and <laughs> make it look pretty. <laughs> it, it worked last year. We, you know, it's just all about trying to be organized ourselves and making sure. Yeah. 
you know, with opening a new cafe in like two weeks and training 10 employees, <laughs> you sometimes <laughs> you forget to do things. Well, and you're not just training, you're training during COVID, which is an entirely different process than a different time, I would imagine. Well, I think we're just, we're crazy just to be opening a second cafe during COVID. But I think people, you know, our customers are so excited to be out. There's people quarantining and they're, we're, you know, they're getting our subscription or they're ordering online or they run in real fast and get our coffee. But then there's other people that just really want to get out and like, you know, change their bubble or change their, you know, or even they sit here and zoom out and of our beautiful gardens outside. And so uh, I think it's really important to create that community space right now that people can kind of come and, you know, be at and feel like they're around people. We've definitely, <laughs> known, you know, it, we're in a Rancho Bernardo area. So, we, you know, we have Poway and we have a 4S business park. So in this area, there's a lot of like, you know, business travelers slash like tech people. And, you know, we've noticed since COVID, a lot of them coming to the cafe here because they're not going to work for the office. They're not flying around the country or the world doing their business stuff. So they come here as their like office and just treat us to get out of the house because the two kids at home are driving them crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then the other one, which is even funnier, is we have a couple university kids who are not going to university and they have to get out of the house because they can't deal with their parents. They're like, we're just they're going to go stay at the winery and get a coffee. <laughs> well, it's one of those things, and I've had this conversation with a, a bunch of roasters, but getting a cup of coffee or going to a restaurant, for example, it's one of those few things that make you feel normal to some extent. Yeah. And if you find a place that you trust is is doing the process right for protecting people from coronavirus, that's a gift. I mean, truly that you're giving to people to have that that experience. You know, my wife and I have different levels of isolation ability. Right. I feel pretty comfortable here in the closet. You know, she needs to get out a little bit more than me. <laughs> and so having that place that you can go and, and feel like, oh, this is just like any normal day, even for a few minutes yeah. can make things a little easier. It's important. And we do have like right away when we reopen, I had the dots on the ground and spaced the tables out and had we put everything in place. And because we do also we're in an older community around here. So there's a lot of people that are immune compromised and just older. So we wanted to make them feel safe. And I mean, people, it's great because they do come in and give us that feedback saying you guys are really, really doing a great job. And because we have all the seating outside, there's so much room for social distancing. So yeah, you're right. They just they need to get out and see people and have a little normal we'll see and sit down and take off their mask and enjoy breathe in the air and get the vitamins vitamin d right <laughs> and even the other place i mean we have a roll-up door we have a rooftop patio people can sit up upstairs and then even outside on the street there's like cafe seating outside and the building has auto doors so on one side there's a big huge garage door and the other side has auto opening doors i mean we couldn't be in a better situation for right now really i'm going to kind of start closing up here with a uh, one simple question for you both which is if you're obviously it seems like you're at work all the time, which I understand. <laughs> but if you were to be, say, on one of your vacations or two day staycation and you were to stop somewhere else and order a cup of coffee or coffee drink, what would you be drinking? I always order a cappuccino and then I usually get an iced Americano to go. <laughs> I get two drinks. Oh, yeah, and I use uh, I'll use an alt milk. Uh, like here in the cafe, I drink macadamia milk. When I go somewhere else, I usually choose almond or oat, and I steer away from like coconut or soy. I still like them for different reasons. For myself, I guess it depends on what type of cafe mode I'm in, but usually I always order a pour over. If it's like going to be a light roast, that's what I'm going to enjoy. If I'm doing my mental roasting research, and I, and if they don't have, a, <laughs> if some places don't have pour over, um, I'll get a hot Americano, usually half the amount of water, and I'll let it cool down. I don't like ice drinks, so I'll never order an iced latte or iced Americano. I like my drinks hot, then cool down. 
And then in the afternoon, you know, if I do want to sit down and get a little pasty, then I'll have a cappuccino with whole milk. And cappuccino, I mean, like eight ounces, you know, three to one, Mm -hmm. not drive home. (laughs) I'm going to be embarrassing myself a little bit, I think, with our audience. But I spent a year trying to learn about coffee in the mornings before going to work uh, just because I was really excited about and passionate about it. And I think it was about three months before they let me touch the espresso machine, which had a (laughs) handle. And then we hired another employee and I think it was like two days and she was allowed to do it. And I was so frustrated, but I was thought that same way. Like these are the specifics, like we don't deviate from these because this is how it's done. And and even for like us, I mean, opening the second cafe, the consistency comes, the both cafes have the exact same grinder, the exact same espresso machine so that when we train them here and they go over there, they're not confused. And it has to be the same. Yeah. From between the two, just, yeah, consistency, you know, that's the, that's, that's the key really. That's the key. Cheers to you guys. Thank you for joining me on the show today. I really appreciate your time and congratulations on the new roaster. And I think everyone's excited about uh, new, excuse me, the new cafe. I think everyone will be excited to get there and check it out. Thank Thank you you very much. Thank you so much for having us today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Roast West Coast podcast. I can't talk to Sam and Weston too often, or I'll remember how much fun it can be to run a cafe. And I'll want to get back into the business. If listening to them inspired you to want to learn more about their business, read about all those details they provide about their coffees, or order one of those gift packs, head to manzanitaroasting.com. You can also click the links on roastwestcoast.com, where you'll find all of the up-to-date promo codes for coffee discounts and the schedule of upcoming shows. On Friday, Chris O'Brien of Coffee Cycle will be back to talk to us about coffee grinders, grind consistency, and continue his efforts to make sure our coffee tastes as good as it possibly can. Next Tuesday, I'll chat with Bev and Lynn, the women behind the award-winning, like seriously big-time award-winning, and as important, or even more importantly, mission-driven Moster Coffee. We talk about their coffee, about them being women leading in this industry, the mission behind their coffee efforts, and what representing their shared Filipino heritage means to them. You do not want to miss this show. And you don't want your coffee-loving friends to miss it either. So let them know that they can search for Roast West Coast on any major podcasting platform, including Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, YouTube, and basically everywhere else you can find great podcasts. Please consider leaving a rating and review. It really helps listeners find new shows like this one. If you just listened to this show for the very first time, we are well past halfway through season one. And episodes with great local founders and roasters from Zumbar Coffee and Tea, Steady State Roasting, and Ironsmith Coffee plus a bunch of Coffee Smarter shows are already out. Be sure to go back and listen to them. Thank you for listening to the Roast West Coast podcast. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletters at roastwestcoast.com. Roast giveaways to subscribers have begun. Stickers and patches will be in soon. And you can find all of the discount promos for coffee from some of the great North County San Diego coffee roasters featured on this show. And don't forget coffee when making your last second holiday gift decisions. You really can't buy coffee from too many local roasteries this year, and those dollars will go a long way. This episode of the Roast West Coast podcast has been produced and recorded by me, Ryan Wolt. I hope this show finds you happy, healthy, and with at least enough sanity to survive the 2020 holidays. And as always, be sure to drink good coffee.